Let's pray and get into the word. Father, we do uh, uh, thank you for the time that we have. Lord, thank you that we can gather together. Even if it's separate, Lord, I know we're together. And I pray that you would bless this time. God, as we get into your word and, and again, reading something that took place so many, so many years ago, three millenniums ago, God, so far away from us and yet so relevant for our lives today. And I pray that as we watch Nehemiah and watch that group and, and what's going on with them, that, that Lord, you would, you would just speak to us. God, if we need encouragement, encourage us. Lord, if we need a kick in the pants, kick us in the pants. But Lord, again, again I just pray that, that we would hear your voice, that we hear your heart, and Lord, not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word as, as we've been encouraged through the book of James, Lord. So again, bless this time, have your hand upon it, and work in a mighty way, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're kind of finally reaching the place where we're gonna get this wall done. Nehemiah's been building it for a while, and Ezra, we were kind of reading about building it, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited, man. The wall is gonna get finished, and sometimes when you hit really close to the end of that, that's when the enemy kind of really turns up the heat on you, and as we're, as we're gonna see tonight, listen, they've been attacked from without, they've been attacked from within, and now it's going to be an attack from within, without, if you know what I mean. It's gonna come, man, he's gonna dump everything on Nehemiah, and some of it, well, I would say almost all of this is an attack that's so subtle, and those are the dangerous ones. When it comes so subtle, when the enemy comes at us, hey, most of us, man, when he comes at us full force, we see it and we can go for it and we can battle that. We're gonna put on our armor, we're gonna stand our ground, we're gonna be there. But man, when those subtle little things, listen, if you got a fiery dart flying at you, you're and you're ready for it, right? But when that little thing just starts slipping in and coming, that's the scary thing, and that's what I, I, I see with what's going on here tonight. And listen, man, you gotta admire Nehemiah as a leader. When you look at this man as a leader and the things he does, have you ever wanna get leadership principles and, and, and different things about leadership? You, you read Nehemiah and you find so much there. One person put it this way. They said, hey, leadership is hard, and it seems often you just can't do things right. If you act too quickly, you're called reckless. If you take your time and think things through, you're called cowardly and unconcerned. And that's the dilemma, man. That's the tightrope that Nehemiah has been walking. Now, something I do wanna kind of put in our heads right now is Nehemiah prayed for four months, keep that in mind, before he ever started this project. Remember, he kind of walked the walls and he prayed for four months before he began, then things started coming at him. So now this is almost the last of the attacks. Look at verse one. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Gisham the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates that Sanballat and Gisham sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. 
but they thought to harm, they thought to do me harm. Now listen, that last part's parenthetical, and uh, you know, Nehemiah's just adding that, but now listen what's going on. And I think this is a danger. I think it's a danger in the church today, definitely a danger for him. Here's two guys, well, three guys named, but two in specific have been coming against him from the very start. From the first moment he got into that area, these two guys have been hassling him and coming at him and coming at him and coming at him. And he's been resisting. He's been, you know, diligent in standing his ground and pushing him that back. Now, here, all of a sudden, they come to him and they go, let's have a meeting. Let's talk. Wow. I think there is a time for talking. But I don't think you ever need to sit down and talk to the enemy. When I hear people, sometimes I hear people praying, and they like pray to the devil. That always, that always just kind of disturbs me. I don't, uh, you know, number one, it's kind of weird because he's not omniscient. So the devil can't be every place. Like God is uh, not omniscient, omnipresent. God is, God is everywhere, right? So, so we can pray to him no matter where we're at. But when you're praying and, and you start talking to the devil, to me, that's kind of praying to him. And chances are, he's not even around to hear it. And listen, that's bad enough, but then when you start like, let's make a deal. And that's what these guys wanna do. These guys wanna make a deal with, with uh, Nehemiah, and that is dangerous. Man, they're coming at him when he's almost done with the project. And they're saying, hey, let's get together and meet. Now, here's something I really love about Nehemiah. This is a side note. This just shows you the heart of this guy if you really pay attention uh, what's written here. Here he says, they came to me and the walls were finished. And it was like really great. And he goes, well, they're really not finished. I still have to hang the doors. I kind of like that. A little bit of humility, right? He's letting us know, no, we're not really done. Even though people think we're done, we're not really done. And I kind of like that. And then the guys come and they want to meet and they want to get together with them and they want to hang out. And they're, and they're, they're saying, projecting, hey, let's get together and let's talk kind of. But notice Nehemiah has some discernment. He's got that little parenthetical part there in verse three that he says, but, I'm sorry, in verse two, but they thought to do me harm. How did he know that? How did Nehemiah figure that out? Well, it's true, we're gonna find out, but how did he figure that out? I think the Lord revealed it to him. If there's one thing we can learn from Nehemiah is Nehemiah spent time in the word of God. Nehemiah spent time with the Lord. As I said, he prayed for four months before he ever started the project. And uh, I would like to say I'm that spiritual. I would like to say that before I do anything, I bathe it in prayer. I usually start something. It starts going really wacky, and then I bathe it in prayer. And I'm going to cry out to the Lord. So I, w I would like to be more like him. But hey, he, he's, a man, he's a man who's hanging out with God and staying close to the Lord. And I think that's important for us to understand. Because I know this from experience. When you're close to the Lord and the enemy comes at you and the enemy tries to attack you, 
all of a sudden you have that discernment, no matter how subtle it is, no matter how easy it comes, all of a sudden, man, hey, it's not just I have this gut feeling that they're, they're going to do something. It's I know they're going to do something. And he's got that discernment. Now, I think there are times when we talk, but again, I don't think we talk with the enemy. I don't think we try and compromise, try and make a deal. I, you know, I think that can be, that can be a trap but then there's always that danger when somebody is coming and wanting something. And that's where we need that discernment from God. Hey, are they genuine in what they're coming with? Or are they trying to trap me? And Nehemiah says, man, hey, they wanted to do me harm. So verse 3, I love this. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it? and go down to you. Now, he's not saying, I'm a great worker. He's saying, I'm doing a really great work. What I'm doing is important. Why should I leave that and come and talk to you? And listen, I don't think that was just an excuse. I don't think that was just, hey, I don't want to talk to you, so I'm going to throw this out there. I think, listen, Nehemiah knew what he was doing was vitally important for the safety of the entire nation of Israel. He knew that he had to continue to do this and he can't stop now, especially when, man, I'm hanging the doors. I'm right there, man. We're like this close and I'm not gonna stop now to come and talk to you. Now, I think part of this, though, I think it was a test. Again, the discernment. Hey, they're wanting to do me harm. And we need that discernment today. I think if anything in the church, we need more discernment about these subtleties that are coming at us and, and coming in. But hey, he's got that discernment, but notice he doesn't just naturally act on it. Here's what he says. Here's a, here's a you know, a test. Hey, I can't come right now because I'm doing a great work. How are they gonna react to that? Because listen, if somebody's really on your side and really wanted to fix things, they would go, oh, I see you're really busy, man. You know what? Go ahead and get those doors hung, get everything finished up. We can meet, we got plenty of time. We got, you know, we got forever. So you're kind of sending out a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a test to them. And then, he, so he says, hey, I'm not gonna leave this work to come to you. Oh, by the way, that might be something you hide in your heart. I think it's important. I think what I'm doing for the Lord is important. I think what you're doing for the Lord is important. But the thing is, do you think it's important? Are you at the place where you're saying, I'm not gonna go do this because I've got this great work that I'm doing and again, not, not being arrogant or whatever, but God has called me to this awesome thing and I'm not gonna leave that to go do this. Sort of reminds me, remember in, in, uh, in Acts when the Hellenists came and they said, hey, we're being mistreated and why don't you apostles like do something about it? You guys don't care. Remember what they said? Hey, we're called to prayer and teach the word. So we're gonna appoint some people to get involved. And I know sometimes, listen, sometimes in ministry, you know, we're, I see a calling and I see what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes there's this, even maybe accusation, you really don't care. I care, but I'm not gonna leave a great work to go do something else. And that's Nehemiah, man. You gotta appreciate this guy's heart. And he says, I'm not gonna do that. And then 
verse 4, this is what cracks me up, man. This is definitely the enemy. But they sent me this message four times, and I answered this in the same manner. Four times they came to him. Not once, four times, man. The enemy doesn't give up. And he's trying to wear him down. He's trying, these guys are trying to wear Nehemiah down. I'm sure if we keep bothering him, we'll do it. And Nehemiah says, nope, same answer, man. I'm not coming. I'm not going to do this. Now, I would again like to say that's exactly what I would do. I think the first time I might do that. I might have that. I think even the second time, I might do that. Third time, I'm not so sure. Third time, I might say, man, this must be really important. Maybe I should. The fourth time, I got to be really honest with you, I think I might cave. I'm like, okay, man, let's, let's talk. And I think, hey, I think if you're honest and you know your weakness and you bring it before the Lord, he's going to protect you from that. See, usually I only get asked once. I don't get asked four times. Four times they come. And not just four times, four times he gives them the same answer. No, I'm not coming. So now, listen, and this is usually now, now the reality is going to come out of what's going on. They don't care about Nehemiah. They don't care about the Jews in the the extent that they want to cooperate with them. All they want to do is stop what's going on. They want to keep those doors from getting hung. They want to keep that wall from being actually completed, completed. They want to stop everything. And they've worked at it, and they've worked at it, and they've worked at it. They've tried scare. They've tried fear. They've tried threats. They've tried everything. Now it's like, hey, let's get together and talk so we can, we can uh, uh, distract you from what you're called to do, and we can get it done. He's not doing it. So here's what generally happens. It's kind of like, you know, if you're ever in a debate and you start losing the debate, you just start calling names. That's how you win the debate, right? You just tell that person you're debating, you're ugly or something. You just, you know, you just like, and check out what they do to him. So then verse five, then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Now, before we read the letter, look up, quit reading your Bibles. Before we read the rest, let's think about this. And it's kind of, again, for us subtle, if you don't know what's going on in their culture, it says, with an open letter in his hand. Generally, when you would send something to somebody else, you would seal it with your signet ring with wax, because usually they're rolled up. They weren't, they weren't like an envelope licked and, and stuff, and some of you have to look that up and Google what an envelope is. But, but they would roll them up like a scroll, and they would put a, a wax, and they would have a ring, and it and seal it, and then then it was sealed, and no one could read the letter. Notice what he says about this letter. It was an open letter. In other words, Sanballat is sending a letter that anybody could read along the way. And remember, it's a couple days travel. It's not like they're just like walking across the street. So here's this guy carrying this letter. Hey, did you read this letter? Check out what Sanballat. So it's important for us to realize this is being broadcast. Hey, it's kind of like, we could put it this way. Somebody put it on Facebook, right? And so anybody could read it because it's out there until Zuckerberg takes it down. But... Listen, it says, Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, and in it was written, 
It is reported among the nations, and Gisham says that you and the Jews plan to rebel, and therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding a wall that you may be their king, and you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, so come, therefore, and let us consult together. Oh, now comes the threat, right? Now, man, it's out there, and here comes the lies and the, the defaming accusations against him. Now, I gotta think, man, this had to hit Nehemiah hard. Nehemiah was a servant. He's already proven that, man. The guy worked on the wall. He didn't tell other people, you build the wall, I'll pray for you. He's there right beside him, working hard, trying to do what he can do. He was the king's cupbearer, and he asked the king permission to go do this. The king gave him finances and help and, and an entourage to go with him. So all of that happened. Now, here comes this accusation. Do you understand if this gets back to the king, Artaxerxes, that he could behead Nehemiah? This is intense. Listen, this isn't just a little thing about, hey, you're ugly and I'm not. This is like, listen, man, this is like life and death. And Sanballat and Tobiah are pulling out all the stops. Why? Because they know they've lost. They know they've lost and they gotta get him. So now they're trying to get him where it hurts and they put this letter. Now, again, this is an open letter, so no telling who's read it, Right? Again, it's like, it, it's something that I always think is funny is people put the dumbest things and I even want to go as far as to say, you people, we put the dumbest things on Facebook and we think, well, just my friends are going to see it. Everybody's going to see it. Why do you put that on Facebook? Like, like, it's like, wow. Like, I would never, I would never say some of the things publicly or do some of the things publicly that people do. But that's what's going on here. This is public, public information. And Nehemiah knows it. Hey, he got handed the letter. It's open. He's going, oh, no. How do you react to that? What do you do? How do you confront somebody who's purposely trying to take you down verbally by saying things about you, by making it a public issue, by telling it to other people, by spreading it? Today we call it gossip or Facebook, one or the other. But hey, when people are doing that. How do you react to that? Because listen, if you're in ministry, you're going through that. Because the enemy hates you and he's gonna use people. And people are gonna do it. Benjamin Franklin said this. I never thought I'd quote Ben. Listen to what he said, this is great. Since I cannot govern my own tongue, even though within my own teeth, how can I hope to govern the tongues of those others? Wow. Here's what he's saying, man. You can't, you, can't, you can't get all wrapped up in what somebody else is gonna say because you can't even keep your own mouth shut. How are you gonna keep their mouth shut? I love that. That's a great quote, isn't it? Hey, remember that the next time somebody says something about you and you get all wrapped up in that, you just stop and think about, I can't help what they say. 
I can help how I react to what they say, but I can't help what they say. And I think that's a great thing. And, 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 and so, hey, he's going to do that. Now, are you going to worry about what people say about you? I've, I've said it many times. I think we all like to be liked. I don't think many of us are on a crusade to make as many people as we can hate us. I think we like it. We like it when people say nice things about us, so we don't like it when people say bad things about, it, about us, but we, we appreciate when people say good things about us, but we have to be careful with all of that. G. Campbell Morgan, no, this is Alan Redpath, another great, great guy, old dead guy. Here's what he says about leaders in the work of God. No man can lead a work of God if he allows himself to be governed by what other people think. He is, secure, he is to secure help, fellowship, prayer, advice, and he's foolish not to take it. But if his ultimate decisions are based upon popular opinion, he's going to fail. And we gotta be careful. Hey, you can hear what people are saying. You gotta be careful of how you receive it and how you react to it. So listen to what, listen to what Nehemiah does. This is why I think he was a great leader. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent, you invent them in your own heart. So here's, what, here's his reply. You're lying. And then he just leaves it at that. And it's important. Listen, you can come against it and you can make a statement, but don't get all wrapped up in the big fight of it. And I love that about Nehemiah. Hey, what you're saying you invented in your own heart, it's not true. And then he explains things for they were all, for they all were lying, trying to make us afraid. Now here's what I love, us, trying to make us Nehemiah understands it's not just an attack on Nehemiah, it's an attack on the fellowship, on all of the Jews, on the wall builders, on everybody who's involved. They're attacking us and they're trying to make us afraid. And he says, listen, he says they're trying to make us afraid saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not get done or it will not be done. So here's what they're doing, man. They're trying to stop the work, right? They're trying to freak them out and get them to stop. And he says, Again, here's an important thing, discernment, 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 discernment. All through this chapter six, if we could call chapter six anything, we could call it the chapter of discernment. He's discerning. They haven't told him that's what they're doing, but he's discerning. They're trying to make us afraid. They're trying to use fear. They're trying to come at us, and they're trying to tell everybody our hands are weak. We're too scrawny to get this work done. They've been doing it. So here's what I love. Look at the end of verse nine. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. You can address what's been said about you. You can do it very bluntly and maybe even very forcefully. Hey, you invented that in your own heart. It's a lie. And then go to God. You see, God is the defender. God is going to take care of us. And our God is big enough to do that. And I love that about Nehemiah. He doesn't get in this long argument. He doesn't get in this long debate. He doesn't get all wrapped up in this whole thing of trying to prove everything they were saying was false. He just proclaims it false, and then he turns to his God. He says, God, now strengthen our hands. Don't let us cave to the enemy. Don't let us do this. And then, it says in verse 10, afterward... I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, the son of Mahitabel, who, uh, was, who was a secret informer, and he said, 
Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. So listen, man, here's, here's the way I look at it. It's kind of like those battles and, and the head-on battles might come in waves and and we got the shield of faith, we got the sword of the spirit, we got the helmet of salvation, we even got the shoes we can kick them with and, and get through it, and man, we're like, yeah, we're fighting and we're doing it. And then, and then here's the other thing, the subtleties also come in waves. The first subtlety, let's compromise. Come on, come on, church, let's compromise. Do we really, do we really believe the Bible's the word of God? Don't you really think there's something? Couldn't there be some errors in it? No. Well, once you go down that path, you can't come back. So people, the subtle, the little subtle things come. And then, listen, and then all of a sudden you have that friend who is now trying to tell you to do something you know is wrong, but listen carefully. But they seem so right. They're a friend. They're a follower of God. This guy's even a prophet. It's not, like he, it's not like he stood up and said, hey, I'm a prophet of God. It's like, it's like Nehemiah knew it, man. I went to his house. He's a, he's a prophet. He was there, and I went to see him, and he's even got his, listen, he's got his pedigree. He knows where he's from. This was a guy he knew, and here's what the guy said. Come on, man. Me and you, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's hide out in there. Now, in our culture, that doesn't sound so bad, right? Let's go to the church and let's hide out there. He's telling Nehemiah, listen, he's telling him, let's me and you go to the temple and go inside. And that's where we can hide. Because they're gonna kill you. Now, that sounds reasonable to me. I don't want someone to kill me. If someone's trying to kill me and I can save myself, I'm all about saving myself, you know, and I'm gonna do that. And then you get a friend who says, here's how we can get out of this. But here's what you know, because you're someone who's reading the word all the time. You're in the word. Here's what you know, according to Numbers 18 and Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18, the books we love to read, isn't it interesting? According to those, the only ones who are going to go into the temple are priests. You're not a priest. Neither is he. And here's what I hear someone saying, but God would understand. It's like, you know, listen, man, this is not, listen, God doesn't do things and he goes, oh, but I, for you, I understand. Go ahead and sin. It's okay because it's you. That's not the God of the Bible, man. People will say that. Well, my God understands my situation. No, listen, he's not, that's not him. It's a God you've made up in your own imagination. So listen, man, but you got this friend. It would be like, listen, it would be like, it would be like someone on the one. I, I got the worship team all that's all that's here. And Pastor Bobby and Pastor Jack and Matthew, but but I don't want to pick on those guys because they control things. But listen, it'd be like, it'd be like one, of, one of the guys here, listen, we don't have hardly anybody here. It would be like one of you here that I trust, that I know, that I work with, that we're involved in ministry together to come up to me and say, do this wrong thing, Pat, to save yourself. Do this sin to save yourself. When it's somebody you trust and somebody you know 
That's a hard decision, isn't it? Then you better have good discernment because they're telling you, do wrong so that you'll be okay. Wow, that's intense. You gotta love Nehemiah, man. Nehemiah then says in verse 11, and I said, should such a man as I flee? Number one, here's what, I, here's what I love about him. He goes, do I look like a guy that's gonna flee? I'm not gonna flee, I'm not gonna run. I'm not that kind of guy. You kind of like that about him, right? He says, that's not who I am. And he says, hey, do I look like that? And then he says, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Here's what he's saying. I know what the word says and I'm not gonna go against the word. No. Do you take that stand, saints? When somebody tells you to do something that's not biblical, again, I'm not talking about gray areas. I'm not talking about the areas we all like to debate about and fight about and put on our, 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 our patched coats and smoke our pipes and puff around and talk about. I'm not talking about all of those things. I'm talking about clear, concise things in scripture and somebody tells you, go against that. Are you willing to say, do I look like that person? I love that. Listen, wouldn't that be good next time, next time somebody tells me to do something like that, I'm going to tell them, do I look like that kind of person? I'm not going to do that. No. I'm not going in the temple. Why? Because I'm not supposed to go in the temple. God laid it out that way. Now, would I like to go in there and hide and know they can't kill me? Absolutely. But I'm not going to do it. No. There's no way. And I love that stand he takes. Listen, not only is he a guy who's a great leader, he's also a guy, man, he is pumped on the word of God and he is not gonna, he, listen, he's not gonna compromise the word of God, period. And then verse 12, then I perceived that God had not sent him. Here's what I love, the prophet. And the minute he says no, and, he, and it kinda, I think it kind of like registers with him, wait a minute, he just asked me to do something unbiblical. Then I perceived, listen, then I perceived he was not sent, uh, God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Oh, bummer, bummer. Now, I, I gotta wonder, because that's, that's put in there, and it's like not giving us quite enough information, like, like you know, did he just perceive it? Or did somebody say, you know, that, you know that he's working for those guys. You know they hire him. And here's the whole thing, man. That's the enemy. He will even use close guys. He will even use so-called prophets. Shimeo was, listen, he, was, he had to be known as a prophet. And he will use those people. And I think in the church today, man, there is so much bad that comes in through supposedly men of God, women of God. And it's coming in because nobody's saying, no, I'm not gonna do that. No, I'm not gonna listen to that. I saw something on Instagram today that just kind of broke my heart. And, and I'm not gonna tell you what it was, but I see that and I think, compromise, compromise, what are you doing? You know, brothers in the Lord that I know, sisters in the Lord, and you see them doing something, you're going, why are you doing that? Number one, why are you doing that? Number two, again, why are you making it so public? Why don't you, at least if you're gonna sin, go hide in sin so you're not telling everybody. But anyway, sorry about that rant. 
But here's what he says, man. I perceived that God had not sent them, but he was hired. Verse 13, for this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act away and sin, listen carefully, so that they might have a cause for an evil report that they might, that they, uh, might reproach me. Here's what Nehemiah said. Aha! Don't you love it when you break the mystery? Aha! The butler did it. He goes, huh, here's what they wanted to do. They didn't really want to kill him. I think they're too good for that. But they wanted to ruin his reputation. If we could just ruin Nehemiah's reputation, the work will stop because people will quit following him. Saints, we need to understand that. We need to understand that the enemy of our souls, he wants to ruin our reputation. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And he will use any means whatsoever. He will use, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord. He will use whatever just to ruin our reputation and so that people can speak evil of us. And man, we gotta be cautious. Listen, I understand because of my position and because I'm more public than a lot of us, I gotta be even more careful. I go out in public and people recognize me. People will recognize me just from my voice. I've, I've shared before, I've been, uh, years ago one time, we were at Walmart and I'm talking to my wife. She's on the other side of, of stuff. And I go, hey, did you find it over there? And all of a sudden from this aisle over here comes, Pastor Pat, is that you? And I'm thinking, oh, what did I say? How did I say it? I had a telemarketer, this is my funnest one. I had a telemarketer call me one time on a, back when we had telephones, landlines, and I answered the phone, and this person's going on, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm just, man, I'm just ready to go off on them. And I'm just like, and I said something, and the person said, Pastor Pat, is that you? And I went, oh, no. So listen, we have to be careful. The enemy will set us up so that our reputations can be ruined. And especially, listen, especially if somebody's talking bad about you and someone's doing bad about you, watch how you respond to that. And then if a godly person is coming in telling you to do something ungodly, unbiblical, be careful. The enemy hates us. The enemy hates him. So they're trying to ruin his reputation and then, and then listen to his prayer. My God, in verse 14, remember Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who, have, who would have made me afraid. Now listen, it sounds like there was a whole prophetic group who is coming against him, right? He brings up the prophetess, but he says, hey, here's what I love. Gisham kind of got out of this. I don't know why Gisham's not, not there, but man, Tobiah and Sanballat. Have you ever noticed like today nobody, I haven't heard of a kid named Tobiah in generations or Sanballat. Nobody names their kids after these two goonheads. But they're coming after him, man, and he's going, listen, man, here it did. And, and then he asks God, he goes, you know what, Lord, just remember him. And I'm going to go on about what I was called to do. So remember them. And then check out verse 15. Here's a, woo! Verse 15, so the wall was finished on the 12th day of Elu, Elu, uh, in, in 52 days. So no matter what month we try and do that, you can look it up on the bottom on your notes or whatever. But here's the thing. 
They finished the wall in how many days? 52 days. Now, what I love is then there's the naysayers. I think that was a biblical error. I think that was a transcribal error. They couldn't have done it that fast. They had to be longer. Have you measured the wall? Have you looked at the things? Have you gone back and read how many people were involved in the wall? Everybody was building the wall by their place, right? And they're all involved in it and everybody's pitching in. But here's my point. 52 days of work, less than two months. But four months of prayer before the 52 days of work. Can you say that you pray more than you work? That's kind of a, that's kind of a, for me at least, that's kind of a, like a slap in the face. That's huge. I think it took 52 days because, for two reasons. Number one, they pray, he prayed for four months. Number two, it was the work of the Lord. Listen, he says it was done in 52 days in verse 16. And it happened when all of our enemies heard of it, that all the nations around saw these, and that when all the nations around saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this was a work done by our God. Hey, it scared the bejeebers out of everybody around. I think even Tobiah and Sanballat are like a little bit freaked out at this point. It's like, we can't get this guy. We can't trap this guy we've tried everything and now look at the walls finished and how did they do it so fast there's only one way they could build this wall in 52 days for all of you commentary writers that try and discuss and say it's a biblical error and it's wrong there's one way they could do it in 52 days it's a work of God Son of a worker, man. When God is in it, who can stop it? And hey, when we are busy about the work of the Lord, here's what I love, man. When we're busy about the work of the Lord, we're going on and we're doing things, and who gets the glory? God. I have had people come to me. This is one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. I've had several people come to me, and they go, man, when you try and invite people to come to the Lord, you stink at it. And then people get saved. They go, Pat, we don't understand how come people get saved. Because it's a work of the Lord, that's why. And for me, that's a huge compliment because here's what I'm thinking. Number one, they're right. Number two, that gives God the glory. And here's what Nehemiah is saying. I'm not a wall builder. I'm a stinking cup bearer. All I did was take food to the king and taste it before he ate it. I don't know. I don't know the first thing about building walls. And guess who else didn't? Not hardly anybody on the wall. Did you go back and read that list? The perfumers, the goldsmiths, they're working on the wall. How did it get done? God did it. And all of their enemies are going, whoa. Now, here's a little side note. We're going we're gonna to quit here in a minute, but here's a little side note. We don't, we don't even have to worry about kids' ministry right now, but we'll do this. Some of you have kids that have to get to bed. Verse 17, and in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son, Jehohanan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. So here's what's going on. Here's the, all of a sudden you find out Tobiah is related to, to the nobles in Judah. It's like, Duh, I should have seen that coming, right? You kind of get that little thing. And, and here's what sort of blows my mind. It's not brought up till the very end. 
But now all of a sudden we find out that Tobiah's got the inside scoop because he's, he's a son-in-law of one of the leaders in Judah. Well, that makes sense, right? And they're exchanging letters in verse 19. And they also reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to, to him. And Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. So that's where that was coming from. But again, man, I want to challenge us. I want us to think about, think about Nehemiah and what he went through just in this chapter. And I want to bring up that important thing again, discernment, 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 discernment. Now listen, I understand there's a gift of discernment, spiritual gift. But I believe all of us should have discernment. And I sh the only way I find that I can discern things is by getting in the word of God and by getting the word of God in me. In Hebrews chapter four, it says, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide, listen carefully, able to divide between the soul and the spirit. I always interpret that this way. How can I tell if something's just me or if I'm being led by God? The word of God between the soul my soul wanting to do something, and the spirit. The word of God is the only thing sharp enough to divide between that and come between that and say, Pat, it's from God. So get in your word, read your word. Right now, a lot of us are at home more than we're at work, and we're kind of hanging out. Some of us are getting stir crazy, and it's scary. I'm, I'm like, I'm getting a little bit of information on what some's going on in some homes. Hey, there's abuse taking place. There's, there's spousal abuse. There's child abuse. This is scary. This is frightening. And saints, I know, listen, I know it's a trying time. Get in your word. Read your word. Share your word with your family. Dads, if you're home more now than you've ever been, then take some responsibility and begin to minister to your wife and your children and lead them through times of prayer, through times of Bible study. Hang out with them. Listen, you don't have to, you don't have to go out and buy a pulpit and set it up and do those things, but be a dad. Step up, start leading them and start doing things. Families, start gathering around your littler guys and, and doing some children's ministry and having some fun with them and getting down on your hands and knees and, and taking them through some biblical stories. But listen, man, we need to do that. And the way we're going to have discernment is by getting involved that way. So, man, my challenge to you is get in your word, stay in your word, and be praying and seeking the Lord. And you're going to have the discernment that Nehemiah had. One last thing, when people talk about you, don't get caught up in that. I don't, care if it's, I don't care if it's publicly, I don't care if it's on some social media platform or whatever, don't get caught up in that. Follow the Lord and let him hold you up and let him defend you. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we do thank you once again for your challenge here as we, as we look at uh, Nehemiah and what's going on. And what a great passage, God. What a, what a great portion of scripture just to, to grip our hearts, especially at this time. And Lord, I do pray for families. And I pray for families right now that are on the brink. Yeah, I know we're Christians, but I know we don't always act like Christians. And I know, I know there's some struggles going on. And Jesus, I pray right now, 
You would bring peace in those homes where strife is starting to build up. That God, you would overwhelm moms and dads with your spirit in such a way that there's no conflict between them and that they can, they can minister to their children and overwhelm children not to be so, so, so children, I guess, but God, move in them in a mighty way. And I pray, I pray for your mighty hand to work in a difficult situation in hard circumstances. I pray for those who are financially hurting from this situation. God, you be their provider, you be their helper, you work in their hearts and in their lives. I pray for those who are just kind of, again, stir crazy. Maybe it's a whole family, they're not at each other's throats, but they're, they're ready. And, and Lord, again, move in them and work in them. For all of us, God, the most important thing we can do is keep our eyes focused on you and focused on who you are. And God, make us the Nehemiahs of our generation that we would have that discernment in situations, I bet even in, within our own, our own uh, circles of, of fellowship that we're using now, whether we're doing it by social media or by phone or by whatever, Lord, those, those, those uh, fellowships that we have, God, give us discernment if somebody's encouraging us to do something unbiblical. Make us men and women who are gonna stand on the promises of God and on the word of God. And Lord, be glorified. I pray at the end of this, for the saints of Calvary Chapel, Sierra Vista, I pray at the end of this that people would say, that was the work of God. He did an amazing thing in that family of believers. And I'm gonna ask you again, stay in an attitude of prayer for a moment or two. And if you're watching tonight and you've never made that commitment to Jesus for whatever reason, maybe some family member like gave you the link and you linked in, maybe you're at their house and they're like making you watch it. God bless them, but hey, and whatever reason, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you're watching right now, I wanna encourage you, man, change that right now. Jesus Christ came and died on a cross. He took a punishment that you deserved, took it upon himself so that you don't have to go through that punishment, and now he's given it to you free. All you have to do is ask him. And by asking him, you have to come to that place where you admit you're a sinner. You have to thank him for taking your punishment upon him. And then you have to ask him to come into your life. So if you wanna do that, I'm gonna say a prayer. You can say this prayer with me out loud there in your home. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you, a holy God. Tonight, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. Come into my heart and change me. Come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
hey, if you said that prayer and uh, you know what, you called on the name of the Lord, you meant it sincerely, a couple things. We want to encourage you, go on our website. We have, and, and you can click on the three little bars. You get a drop-down menu. We have a place for new believers. You can go get all of our new believer information. It'll help you understand the decision you made. We want to get you plugged in. Also, if you could text us, 520-210-3678. Let us know you made a commitment to the Lord. Hey, we would appreciate that. That would encourage us. 